0: Today's guests are sisters who recently acquired a jam and jelly company and a chocolate company as they build what they dub their jampire. I'm Matt Maury, co-publisher and executive editor of Business NH Magazine and Granite Media Group.
1: I'm Christine Kerrigan, co-publisher of Business NH Magazine and Chief Creative Officer for Granite Media Group. And welcome to BizCast NH.
0: So, Christine, we're getting to my favorite time of the year. Yes. Sugar season. Yes, yes, (laughs) yes, yes. yes. (laughs) So, I mean, I know the holidays bring up all kinds of great things, but let's face it, we're in it for the food. Yeah, of course. So, especially in light of the guests that we have this week, what are some of your favorite holiday treats that you're looking forward to?
1: Oh, God. Well, there's, there's... I mean, there's... All of them, <laughs> but, Bring it on. Uh, I have to say there's a few. Okay. So if we're going, if we're going like store bought, mm-hmm. it would have to be those chocolate cherry cordials, you know, like the chocolate with the cherry and like the creamy stuff in the middle. Oh yes. Oh, it's not the holidays without those. There's always a dish somewhere in the house with those in them. Um, but like homemade, my mother makes this fudge. Actually, my aunt made it first and my mom kind of started making the recipe as well. And it's. A chocolate and peanut butter layered fudge and it is just heaven and it's the minute I have that it's like okay it's Christmas it's the holidays I'm happy <laughs> Matt what about you?
0: Well for me you know we were an Air Force family so we traveled all around and um, we lived in England for a while and my mom learned to make really good trifle so that's just become this holiday staple and so I mean it's not always the same we've had traditional trifle she makes a banana cream trifle that is to die for (laughs) Um, we've had like an iteration of chocolate and caramel so but just that trifle that when that comes out it's like ooh, it's Christmas it's holiday yes Um, you know and of course you know anything spiked hot chocolate (laughs) oh yeah that's good because you know I'm a parent, and you need anything you can get to get you through the
1: holidays.
0: (laughs) Thank you very much. Yes.
1: Drizzle something with caramel, too, and I'm there. Mm. Oh, so delicious.
0: Well- Let's delve some more into this because we have some experts now on holiday treats uh, and all things sweet. So why don't you introduce our guests for the week?
1: Absolutely. So since 2023, Laurel Hill Jams and Jellies has become the passion project of this week's guests, sisters Rachel Mack and Sarah Steffensmeyer. Rachel and Sarah live next door to one another in Bedford and produce all of Laurel Hill Jams and Jellies out of their licensed home kitchens. In June of 2023, Rachel and Sarah expanded their operation by purchasing Loon Chocolate, a bean-to-bar chocolate maker out of Manchester. Since then, they have opened up a new commercial kitchen in Manchester, designed and opened a retail shop for not only their jams and chocolates, but also to sell other artisan creations that are handcrafted in New Hampshire. Loon Chocolate and Laurel Hill Jams and Jellies are sold through many retail outlets in New Hampshire, and they've recently been expanding into other New England states and beyond. They even have a retail partner now in Colorado, Maryland, and Minnesota. That's multiple partners. While they are continuing to expand, Rachel and Sarah are passionate about maintaining the quality of all of their products and working with farmers and suppliers who can provide only the best and most ethically sourced ingredients. Outside of Loon Chocolate and Laurel Hill Jams and Jellies, because, you know, sounds like there's a lot of free time. (laughs) Sarah teaches art at Hollis Brookline High School, and Rachel makes pottery and is mother to a 13 year old daughter. So, Rachel and Sarah, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having
1: us. We're very excited to have you join us today. And, you know, what better to talk about than chocolate and jams and jellies? Delicious.
0: I know. And I feel so sluggish. I mean, you know, I don't know how you have time for anything else other than (laughs) (laughs) the business, never mind um, the other things you're doing. So, well, let's delve into this because I think this is fascinating because, you know, so many people go, "Ah, one day I'd love to own my own business. And you not only delved down that path, but you did twice. Um, So let's talk about before you bought these businesses, what were you doing?
3: So Sarah and I, we were born in Nebraska. We come from a Midwestern family, although we've lived in New Hampshire almost our whole lives. Um, You know, we moved here when I was just a little, little kid. I barely remember anything else we've always kind of had that uh, preserving, canning, um, experience in our lives you know we have a an aunt who still lives out in the middle of Nebraska on a farm who has the most impressive uh cellar that you could ever imagine <laughs> with all the canning and all the the jams and jellies we try to bring something when we go to visit and she's got you know 27 different types of strawberry jam in her uh, in her pantry already <laughs> I'm um, all full up
1: i don't need anymore.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know that that's sort of been in our blood and then during covid um sarah was the, the one who really sort of got me back into canning again and we made a lot of jams and jellies and uh, it just became a part of what we did, and we started growing bigger gardens, and preserving salsa, and making pickles, and doing all sorts of fun things. But it always kind of came back to the jams and jellies. When we found out that the Laurel Hill Jams and Jellies, which was a Bedford institution, there was a, a the previous owner had been making jams and jellies in Bedford for 15 years. By that point. And it, you know, she was looking for a second retirement and we were looking for a new opportunity and it just sort of seemed perfect. It fit with our background and it was just something that fun and something we could do together.
0: And you have an artistic background, seems like a very uh, artistically talented family. Can you talk about what attracted you to the arts and, and, and make a career out of it? And, uh, and then we'll talk about how that relates into your latest venture,
2: Um, I have been, uh, I've drawn and painted since um, I can remember, probably when I was a teenager. Uh, It's something that I have been passionate about for a long time. I've taught for, uh, this is my 19th year of teaching, second year at Hollis Brookline. Uh, So I just really like creating and sharing that with others. Um, And there's been a surprising amount of crossover between my fine art background and what we've done as a business uh we have i just did a mural in our uh in our uh retail space uh and i have a second one that will go up soon uh and just all the all the packaging and design and and things like that there are a lot of cross um, ties uh, between painting and definitely photography with small business.
0: So what attracted both of you to the arts? I mean, because you you do pottery as well. Um, Mm. Where did that come from? Is that running your family or?
2: I think it does. Um, Back to the sort of Midwestern practical roots when you, like my grandmother would never have called herself an artist, but she would craft like nobody's business. She would, (laughs) her whole basement was all quilting and, you know, just anything that came by. So I think that spirit has always been there. Uh, It's just, you know.
3: And our parents have always been very supportive of... You know, when we were kids, a lot of kids would tell their parents, hey, I want to, you know, I want to go to art. I want to major in art. I want to go to art school. I want to major in art, as Sarah did. Or I went to my parents and said, "I, you know, I'm a political science major, but my real passion is pottery. I want to do this as a minor. I want this to support. A lot of parents would say, maybe let's find something a little more financially accessible something that you can have a job when you graduate but we were always really in, encouraged to follow our dreams and if that's what we wanted to do just give it a try so it was we had a lot of family support
0: and I'm curious i mean i promise we're going to get to talking about the business in it <laughs> but um you know covid has shaped so many entrepreneurial stories but you know we also know it was a tough time In education, what was it like as an art teacher trying to teach remotely? Were you doing that? And I was. And (laughs) what were you doing? And and how difficult was it? And and was it a way to maybe alleviate some of what stress your students were going through?
2: I think so. Um, Everybody was flying by the seat of their pants trying to figure out how to do this remotely. So I, I, you know, put in the effort and. We got out what we got out. But I do think that a lot of my students were kind of trapped in their their rooms. You know, they had this very small world, and we had this opportunity to like, for their schoolwork, they could look outside the window and draw and just kind of be present and see the world around them. And I think that was really healthy in a really stressful time. Uh, so I think that was good. It was amazing, though, when we got back to in-person learning, it was so much easier. Because <laughs> I was thinking, oh, well, this is going great. You know, we're doing what we can in this crisis. And then we got in and it was just, this is this is so much better.
0: The supplies are right here. <laughs> no one's turning their screen off on yes. me. <laughs> yes, yes. So, so during COVID is when you start getting back into to canning and such. At what point do you two start having a discussion of Hey, maybe we could do this
3: to make some money <laughs> well, it happened very quickly. It was never something that we intended to to become a business. Um, it was to the point where our daughter or my daughter uh, who's thirteen uh, she was would have been you know ten eleven at the time just, at the dinner table would say, can you please stop talking about canning? Can you please stop talking about your chance? And jelly? <laughs> <laughs> she still says <laughs> that. She still does, <laughs> yes. But um, it, it just was this passion. It was something that kind of overtook so much of what we did that when this business became available, it wasn't something that we were trying to do or had been planning on doing for a long time. It was just something that when it became available, we kind of looked at each other. I was a little bit of a Debbie Downer saying, no, this would never work. And it didn't take long for me to completely be turned around and say, yes, let's just jump in.
1: Let's give it a try. Let's, you know, let's just try this new adventure. Can you talk a little bit about how you found out it was available, how that transition happened?
3: Yeah, it was, um, honestly, my husband was a big influence in that. He was just yeah you know, floating around the internet um and finding businesses that were for sale he just finds it you know sort of interesting to sort of get the pulse of the the community and what's what's available in New Hampshire what new businesses that we didn't even know existed and when he found this he brought it to me and to Sarah saying hey you guys love doing this would you you know he was the one who even suggested it saying Do you think you guys would like to do this? Would like to create, you know, build this business and create something new with it? And again, like I said, it was I. Sarah was much more on day one. Like yes, let's go. I was the one dragging my feet a little bit, but I'm so glad we did it. It's it's such a fun experience and something we get to do as sisters that not everyone has the opportunity to do.
0: And what was it about this business, you know, because there, I mean, you could have started your own, um, or there are various jams and jelly businesses out there. I mean, we're very familiar with, uh, Laurel Hill because they've been a longtime exhibitor of ours that are our made in New Hampshire and made in New England Expos. Um, so we, we know the, the quality and success that they've brought, but what was it about this as you delved into it more that you thought this would be a good fit and something that you could make, maybe go to a next level with?
2: I think um, the, the previous owner really built a foundation with the jam. Uh, it's a really good product. We weren't starting from scratch. We had a little bit of a guidebook to go from. So then we can really look at it and decide, you know, where do we want to take it from here instead of trying to start from scratch.
0: So when did you officially buy the business?
2: It was
3: in February of 2023. So, so it's not even been a year yet. <laughs>
0: And so, you know, you buy the business and so what have you been, before you, we even get to the fact that you bought a second business in less than a year, <laughs> what, what had you started doing with Laurel Hill? I mean, I'm sure there was a learning curve, but have there been, um, you know, fla- new flavors you've introduced or new marketing you've done? Like what, what was your spin that as you took over the business that you went, here's kind of how we're going to make it our own?
3: One thing that we've really concentrated on is working uh, from a wholesale perspective, which uh, was something that the previous owner had not had done some of, but maybe hadn't been a, a, a major focus. Um, the major way that you're seeing sales for things like jams and jellies in New Hampshire, it's really, you know, face to face. So it's a lot of events. Um, And so the Made in New Hampshire Expo was actually the first big event that we did. And it was wonderful to see customers face to face. But what we didn't expect at that Made in New Hampshire Expo in April was how many other businesses we met and how many, you know, every town has their own general store and every town has, um, you know, small grocery stores. They're not just big national chains. And that's what we love about New Hampshire. And Part of why we brought in got into jams and jellies is to have the New Hampshire products, New Hampshire farmers, and then to start working with New Hampshire businesses. I don't know if that was something we expected when we started doing this, but it, it was a really just sort of a natural, a natural progression of the business.
0: And so um, as I alluded to earlier, so you have this new business, and most people would be like, let's just get this under our feet. <laughs> but not the two sisters. Uh, So another longtime exhibitor of ours, Loon Chocolate, um, you took that over as well. So how did that come about and why the second business and one that's not directly related to what you were already doing?
3: So the business of chocolate and the business of jam are... You know, how they're made and how they're used. The actual end product is different, but how they're sold. You know, both being made in you know kitchens and have similar process, and really the sales channels are very similar between the two. And we learned very early on with uh, Laurel Hill and Sarah, I'm sure can agree with me that making them in our home kitchen is wonderful. It is a, just a lovely experience to have the music going, and it's like romantic to be canning these fresh strawberries that were picked 12 hours ago from two miles down the street and turning it into jam and jelly. The problem is to, it's a really hard thing to be able to scale. So we have both of our kitchens that we utilize for it, but there's only so much we can do. So we realized very early on that we would need to move to a larger facility if we wanted to be able to continue to uh, to grow Laurel Hill. So we were looking at getting some sort of commercial kitchen, getting an opportunity to Scale the jam and jelly, and we realized that we kind of needed a stepping stone. We weren't—we were too big for our 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 home kitchens, but we weren't quite big enough for a commercial kitchen. So we were looking for other opportunities and something to piggyback off of, and that's where we just, from the same you know website where we saw that Laurel Hill was for sale, we saw that Loon Chocolate was for sale, and we just thought, what a wonderful, wonderful New Hampshire-based product. It absolutely fits everything that we're trying to do with Laurel Hill to be local wherever possible. Obviously, cocoa beans are not grown in New Hampshire. We would source them from New Hampshire if we could. Um, and to just build something that people love that just brings a smile to people's face. And so, and they the distribution channels being sold through general stores and grocery stores, a lot of that's the same. So although they're very different products, we' found a lot of similar similarities along the chain that would really, at first glance might not make sense to pair the two, but it's really been a perfect, perfect union.
1: And we'll be right back. Hey everyone, Christine here to tell you about the upcoming Very Merry Holiday Gift Festival on December 9th and 10th in downtown Manchester, New Hampshire. At the festival, you'll find an incredible array of New England made products for everyone on your list. Unique handcrafted gifts, tasty sauces and spices, beautiful woodworking, sparkling pieces of artisan jewelry, and so much more. Plus, be sure to bring the kids for a visit with Santa, crafts with Mrs. Claus, and a special kids-only shopping area. Gingerbread house demonstrations, rescue animals, and so much more. And enjoy holiday entertainment at the festival stage. So put on your most festive attire and make your way to the Very Merry Holiday Gift Festival, your one-stop holiday gift shop at the Doubletree by Hilton Expo Center in Manchester, New Hampshire, on December 9th and 10th, sponsored by Unitil, Manchester Radio Group, and Granite Media Group. For more information or to purchase tickets, visit VeryMerryFestival.com. Okay, we're back. So you were just talking about purchasing the two companies um, and that allowed you to move into a commercial kitchen. Can you talk a little bit about your new space and how that's working out for you?
2: Sure. Uh, we have a space on, in McGregor Street up in Manchester, New Hampshire. Uh, it's been wonderful. Uh, what attracted you to that space? Um, you know,
0: because there, there's a lot of commercial space out there now as, you know, we just ourselves recently... Um, uh, move to a new smaller location because we're remote mostly and needed didn't need as much space. So, w- what attracted you to this space?
2: I love the look of the space. It's got it's in an old mill building, so it's got that sort of early industrial kind of kind of ethos to it. It had the right space for our kitchen. Uh, in order to be able to meet our needs now, um, and also be able to scale up the chocolate, and uh, I think we've. We've kind of uh, looked into some really good neighbors as well. Um, I think there's some uh, synthesis that, you know, can happen with, with uh, the different businesses and the, it's, there's a lot of people that live in the area too that don't have a whole lot of food uh, options. So And in addition
1: to selling your own products in your, in your space, you're also uh, highlighting products from local artisans in New Hampshire. Can you talk a little bit about that and why that was so important to you?
3: Yeah, the space, as Sarah was mentioning, it's beautiful, beautiful mill building space. And when we first were looking for a new kitchen, we were looking for a kitchen. We weren't necessarily looking for a retail space. And we walk into you know the beautiful Amishgate Mill, and they're still in our in our whereas now our retail space. There's, you can still see the machinery from when they used to produce textiles. Um, so it's really a historic building, just gorgeous building that we walked in and said, oh no, this cannot just be where we store our boxes. We need to <laughs> actually make a store. We need to open this to the public. It was really just calling out to be a store. And so we were originally thinking it would just be a showroom for our own jams and jellies. And that's really still the core of what that that space is. But When we do events, you know, as I mentioned before at the Made in New Hampshire Expo, that we met so many other vendors and other businesses in the area. As we've met other people who make soaps and candles and dog biscuits and all sorts of different crazy products, they all have the same feeling about New Hampshire and this New Hampshire small business community that we want local products that are well made, that are filling a need that you're not getting from a national retailer. So we really wanted to highlight those products in addition to our own in our store.
0: And I can't even imagine the wonderful smells that emanate when you walk (laughs) in that door. I'm salivating as I think about it. Um, (laughs) But, um, you know, you're as you said not quite a year into this how is business going Um, what has it been like to take on these two businesses and form this kind of umbrella company for them and move them forward
2: it's been good the key is to stop watching TV (laughs)
0: I'm out
3: It's been it's been really busy, but it's you know coming from a corporate background. I worked in finance for decades before um, this adventure took off, and it's a different kind of busy. It's a different kind of um, just what you fill your time with. And there's something else, something very romantic and very true about being your own boss. About you know that you're when you're putting in the extra hours and doing some sort of crazy you know whatever crazy thing you have to do to get your shipment out it's uh, it's really nice to be doing it for yourself and for your family and as sisters we laugh a lot along the way
0: and so um whenever we, family businesses are a backbone of the New Hampshire economy but whenever i have family members on that go into business together i always have to ask this question cuz why I, I love my family but I think there are very few p- members of my family, and they would agree that we could actually work together effectively. <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> just moving a bureau can be um, traumatic. Um, so, can you talk about what it's like to be in business together, and how do you balance keeping, you know, a, a, the close relationship you have as sisters, balanced with being business partners and having to um balanced decision making and um you know when there's differences of opinion how you handle that and whether that those familiar ties are a strength or maybe an obstacle
2: they're definitely a strength um and you know i think we've we've been through many things in life together at the you know if we were in high school we probably would run the you know worst high school business with each other but <laughs> we've we've come through a lot of stuff and i think we have a really good working relationship now
3: and i can't imagine doing this without you by my side we do i mean as you had mentioned before we live next door to each other and you know we're so much of our lives are really together i, I couldn't imagine doing this without her
1: so when you get to that point, though, that there is a business disagreement because inevitably it's going to happen, how do you two work together to resolve that? If if you're completely on opposite sides of, a, of a, the way you think something should be done, how do you get to that resolution?
3: It's... You know, it's it's a delicate balance because, you know, you think about um, it's the same problems that you would have if it was just a partner or, you know, that you have when you're in a corporate environment and you're disagreeing about a project you're working on but you can't just go home at the end of the day and complain about that person to your sister. <laughs> so it's really it's communication and when we've had instances where we don't agree about something um I hope Sarah thinks that agrees with me when I say that we it's just we're very good about coming together and, you know, Sarah will keep me honest and says, you know, like, no, we're not leaving until we finish and we, we get to a resolution on this. And, and it can be emotional, but I mean, it's emotional good and emotional bad. And the good has so far
0: outweighed the bad. That's great. So what was it like growing up together? And, you know, what are some of the, thi- I mean, only the two of you know, the crazy things that went on, we all talk about our parents. Um, but, you know, what are some of the things that shaped the two of you that you think kind of led you to where you are today?
3: Um, I mean, that's a great question Uh, because, you know, when you're dealing with siblings, you tend to remember the times when maybe mom and dad were gone and Sarah was babysitting me and we got into hijinks. I think there's some good stories here.
0: (laughs) What kind of hijinks? Come
3: on. It's just us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the two of us would have a very different uh any story, we would have a very different perspective cuz Sarah's sure. 4 years older, so she was always the one babysitting me. So, so. I was
2: the one that was right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um it sounds like things are going well. You know, um what, 8 9 months in now. Mm-hmm. Um so as you're, you know, kind of really finding your feet with this combined company. I mean, that's a lot to happen in, in, in under a year. Um, what are your hopes and dreams for this business as you move forward? What do you want to grow this into?
3: Um, just to continue to grow, I want something that, that all of us feel really proud of, mm-hmm. um, that we took over a business. It wasn't something that we completely started from scratch. So, as we're growing and especially when we're going into 2024 and you know we've gotten this crazy Christmas season behind us I really want to leave my mark on both of these products and I want to keep what we've already, what we inherited, what is an amazing product and, and really also be able to say, but, you know, this is what I did to, to grow the business. And whether that's new products that, you know, we're talking about or um, just sort of expanding the business to, you know, to further saturate New Hampshire and beyond. Um, we have a lot of ideas that we're working on, um, but I, I want it to really feel like us and not just something that we're sort of stewarding right now.
1: So I want to know, what are the best sellers right now with both companies? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about some of these flavors that you Products, have.
3: Yes. Well, on the jams and jellies, um, our you know, you can't go wrong with like a strawberry or a blueberry. Mm. Our basic flavors are really you know, sort of what we probably sell the most but, um, and I think Sarah would agree with me, some of our more unusual flavors are more what I'm proud of. So we have a whole line of wine, jams, and jellies where we've actually partnered with a New Hampshire winery to supply us Uh, so Summit Winery out of Westmoreland, New Hampshire we partnered with to, to make some really, really delicious wine jellies and Sarah's a tea drinker so she's really launched the you and me, the, okay.
2: <laughs> the Earl Grey is excellent. Ooh, I'm
0: going to have to check that out. And what about chocolates? You know, And I guess part of what I want to delve into is that, I mean, obviously these are two products that you say to most people and they're going to be like, oh, yeah, I want to try that. Um, but they're also very competitive. I mean, you're out in, in, I don't have to tell you, into a field that's really competitive and crowded So what is it about your chocolate products and flavors and the jams and jellies that you feel kind of elevate and differentiate you in that field?
2: I think the pocket that we're going for is affordable luxury. Mm. We want good quality. You know, you're having a treat. You're spending the calories. You're you're going for a chocolate bar. You want to just savor all the different flavors that are going on. Um, We want to find that point where quality is excellent and it's, approachable and, um, you know, comfortable. We don't have a lot of pretense with it. We want it to be, you know, accessible to everyone and just know that it's a good quality.
3: Yeah. And, you know, especially the chocolate, if you want to come into the shop and you want to nerd out about chocolate, and I will tell you about the tasting notes of each of the varietals of of where the beans come from, I will talk to you for an hour about it. But (laughs) we really do pride ourselves, you know, New Hampshire is such a lovely, wonderful place of wonderful, welcoming people who don't have this air of pretension. And so we're not trying to be this snooty chocolate maker. We want to make something that anyone can enjoy. And if you do, if you're really into it and you want to talk about those, you know, specific uh, tasting notes or something really, really specific about the chocolate, we want to serve you, but we also want to serve somebody who comes in and is like, yeah, I just like chocolate. And so that's what we're trying to make it a really open and welcoming place um, that anyone can come and enjoy any of our products.
0: One of the things that um, I've found, because, you know, Christy and I took over our business a year ago. And even though we had been in the business for years, as owners, we're finding there's always a surprise or a challenge right around the corner. (laughs) So what have been some of the surprises or challenges that you've come across and how did you overcome them?
2: Well, I just recently got a call from Rachel saying that we had an issue in the shop. Um, we all kind of come together and, and try to try to work beyond it. Um,
3: yeah, it's you never know each day what's going to what's what's going to come. Um some things like transportation and packaging and filling out forms, you know, when I've always worked in a corporate world, you can say, "Oh well, this needs to be shipped out. Oh, just give this to someone and they'll bring it down to the shipping department. they'll get it all mailed out to all the customers. Well, there's no shipping department right. I'm the one who yes. has to yeah, mail look them in the mirror and go, you need to go do that. <laughs> <laughs> If we're working with a, a client who really wants, you know, who who wants something packaged and sent to them in a specific way, and have, you know, a specific the P.O. written, you know, on a label inside of the box, well, I'm the, you know, I'm the one. We're the ones who have to go and fill out the form and get it stuck to the box and get it sent out and figure out would an actual 53 foot truck fit behind at uh, to our loading dock behind our source uh, or behind our shop in Manchester. So it's every day there is something new that is is kind of been thrown at us. And that's fun sometimes and sometimes it's really really hard cuz you have a bunch of things happening at once.
1: Definitely Well, I think um, I could talk about this all day because who doesn't love talking about food? Especially (laughs) chocolate, chocolate jam, and and jelly. Yeah. Um, But I think we're going to be wrapping it up for today. Um, But I want to say thank you again to Rachel Mack and Sarah Steffensmeyer, the owners of Laurel Hill Jams and Jellies and Loon Chocolate. And if you want to uh, meet Sarah and Rachel in person and pick up some of their delicious jams, their delicious chocolates, um, they will be vendors at the upcoming Very Merry Holiday Gift Festival which is taking place in downtown Manchester on December 9th and 10th. We're very excited to have you both there. Um, if you're looking for some more information on the festival, that can be found at verymerryfestival.com. And again, Sarah, Rachel, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing your story with us. Thank you for having thank us. You.
0: Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the stories and information you heard on today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine
1: or visiting BusinessNHMagazine.com. I'm Matt Mowry. And I'm Christine Kerrigan. BizCast NH is a production of Granite Media Group.